Done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are live with Josh Tickell and Adam Smiley. Pause. Now, do you want to say your last name for me so I don't mess I'm about to slaughter it. There you go. Puzwalski. Puzwalski. I was going to do it okay. I was actually going to do it a, a, an okay job on that. Adam, you are an author. Uh, you are a lecturer. You are you are an entrepreneur. But more than anything, you're a mentor for a lot of young people. You've kind of come up with this powerful idea called quarter life breakthrough. Okay. And I want you to talk about it, but I'm just going to preface what people are going to hear because I have talked to a lot of parents a lot of parents about their millennial children. And they all have the same thing to say, which is my son slash daughter got to 25 and they just hit this like skid and they literally move back home and they don't know what they're doing. And, 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 and I go, are they having a quarter life crisis? They need a quarter life breakthrough. And they're like, Oh my gosh, tell me more about that. So you're kind of the expert on this quarter life breakthrough. Tell us what that is. Why are a lot of young people experiencing that? Why is this a big deal, Adam? Yeah, and thanks for having me, Josh. It's great to be here. Um, but basically, you know, I think that I got excited about this quarter-life crisis topic out of the reason most people get excited about things. I had one, and I was going through it myself several years ago. Uh, being that feeling of kind of being in your 20s, stuck in a job that's uh, you know isn't the right fit and you have no idea what to do. And I think a lot of young people today are experiencing this, uh, um, this kind of uh, fear of missing out, um, too many decisions, social media, the pressures of seeing everyone else figuring things out, um, often graduating college with, with immense student debt, um, and having opportunity but also not knowing what to do. Uh, and I think that this, this really hit me uh, in my late 20s, this quarter life crisis. Um, I worked a job for the U.S. federal government. Great job on paper. Uh, was making a good salary. Had healthcare. Had benefits. Uh, but I knew it wasn't the right fit, and I felt really guilty. And I felt um, confused and overwhelmed being in a job that, on paper, was perfect, and everyone else was impressed by my friends, my parents, um, the world of social media. Being like, "That's an awesome job. That's amazing." But internally, knowing that it wasn't the right place for me. Uh, so I kind of went through this whirlwind uh, of emotions, and you know, people can people joke about this quarter life crisis thing, like oh, millennials entitled. Yeah, the millennial, um, thing, right? you know, Who would have such a thing other for, than uh, forget it. Entitled generation, right? But uh, sure, exactly. I actually think it's it's actually quite important, and that people are joking about things that actually this generation is experiencing high rates of depression, anxiety. Suicide rates, you know, are through the roof, especially not just millennials. If you look at even the generation that's younger, uh, I actually don't think these things are something to laugh about. Um, I think that this generation is actually questioning how they're spending their time. Uh, but there was a little bit of a break between getting to that quarter life from quarter life crisis to breakthrough. Uh, and what I started to realize that it was really it was making that flip and that switch from this kind of moment of crisis, overwhelm. Uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, uh, feeling stuck, feeling hopeless, to turning it into opportunity, right? To, to a positive, to a chance to kind of find meaningful work, do something purposeful, do something you actually care about, uh, do something that's not just about a paycheck, is part of the equation, but is not the sole driver, um, and to kind of realign your work with purpose. And I think 
actually what many millennials are really looking for, um, and the data just shows this, is that meaningful work and purposeful work. Uh, and it's not just let's kick the can down the road. Um, the job is just a paycheck or the job's about retirement or I'll do something great when I'm 65 or when I retire. Uh, it's like the world is blowing up every day. I better do something now that I care about because who the hell knows what's going to happen next. Um, and I actually think that that's uh, an opportunity. It's a possibility. There's potential there. That's why I phrased it breakthrough, trying to kind of change the, the language around it to be like, actually, this is a moment of opportunity. This is something that you can figure out who you are, do something you care about, uh, change your own life, change the lives of others, hopefully make an impact, hopefully help other people too, support your community, um, all the things that a career is actually supposed to offer. <laughs> uh, people have this negative connotation about it, but it's actually that's that, that work, that messiness out of that uh, with the right tools, uh, with the right books, not just my book, but there are other books and the right, you know, kind of support from people and programs. The Revolution Generation. A <laughs> oh, yeah. I got both of them. Two very good books. <laughs> yeah, let me see. This is great. I, I just started. Bring your book center frame. I there. just started. Uh, let me see that. <laughs> well, I, I like, they actually look really nice together. Uh, this is your book, Josh. I just started reading and I'm excited to read the rest of it, Josh. Yeah. Um, so I, kind of, I, I, I think actually, you know, yeah, go let, ahead. Me, let me pause you for a second, Adam, because I, you know, I think a lot of people, not necessarily millennials, but baby boomers, older people, when they hear, oh my gosh, they've got a quarter life crisis and a quarter life breakthrough. Do you know where I'm going with this? I can see the smile on your face. <laughs> They're like, how do they have the luxury? How do they possibly, millennials, have the luxury to have a quarter life crisis? Is that something? that you see universally. I mean, we know that two thirds of millennials will not graduate from college. We know that there's a tremendous gig economy. You know, a lot of people working minimum wage or unsalaried jobs. Do folks who are in that category, who aren't necessarily the, you know, white collar privileged people, but working class, do working class millennials face this challenge as well? Is this an, a pretty much universal generational thing? I mean, I think economics are a really important thing to look at. I think even for the people that are coming from the, what we are referring to, I think you're referring to as the privileged class, or let's say the college educated class, um, or graduating with immense student loan debt, um, or actually the first generation that's going to be less wealthy than their parents' generation, grew up in the midst of a recession, or literally became adults after the, the largest recession uh, in decades, you know, the crash of 2008, 2009. Like it, it's not that e it wasn't that easy for those people, and they went to many of them went to schools, paid tons, and I don't know if I can swear on here, but let's say shit tons of thousands of dollars to go to four year institutions, where they grow they graduated and they couldn't even get a job. So that kind of social contract, which you know has to do a lot of with economics, the erosion of the middle class. We have this higher education model where we're spending lots of money on these degrees, but it used to be that if you did that, you'd probably get a pretty good job. Maybe not right away, you gotta work your way up a little bit, but eventually you get a pretty good job, be able to buy a house, raise a family. You can't do that. Those jobs don't exist, right? And you can't buy a house in any city that you'd actually wanna live in where you could get a good job because you can't afford to buy a house, <laughs> right? So uh, there was a, there's a little bit of that kind of, uh, and I'm not just, and, and I'm talking about actually people that are growing up with opportunity, with, with, with two parents that are college educated, 
with with a degree uh, with some opportunity, let, let alone people that are actually growing up in poverty. That's a, also a huge problem. So I think it's I think it's a yes and situation. I think that um, you know it, it it is easy to kind of look at this thing as okay, this is these are you know to have any opportunity in this world is privilege, right? Yes. Uh, to be in a situation to even have a job in the world we live in, if you look globally, uh, with how much poverty there is, um, is privilege. To be able to quit your job and not be sure what's next is privilege. To be able to say, I'd rather do this, right? I'd rather work this job is just privilege, period. Most people in this world, you know, to be able to feed themselves, to be able to feed their families every day, they're doing what they're doing. That is, or, or, or they don't, they literally do not survive or they don't have a, a place to sleep. Uh, or they don't be, they're not able to feed themselves. Um, that's privilege. So uh, I, I do think that it's easy to laugh at. I think that there is an element um, of kind of, okay, oh, my millennial son, daughter, uh, person sleeping on the couch because they want to find a good job. They should just suck it up like I did. Uh, you have to actually look at the bigger picture. It's like maybe they shouldn't because they're going to work. A, why should they work a job that makes them miserable, that's making a company they don't care about money? that's probably gonna ship their job overseas anyway, <laughs> uh, that's gonna cut their pension at some point, right? Like, you, I think millennials are questioning the, wait a second, this is a, this, my parents, people around me didn't get a fair deal. I'm not, I'm not buying into that system without questioning it a little bit, right? I'm gonna be working for the next 30, 40, 50 years, right? I better be doing something I care about. Uh, and, you know, the job market, the, the economy is changing so quickly, um, it's it's a different world than we grew up in with what than what my that my parents and 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 everyone else grew up in this and, and that's not an excuse for not working hard right i think it's very easy to kind of hear someone like me talk about this stuff and be like you're lazy basically you don't want to work and it's like actually i've worked harder than i ever had before when i had to when i left my job uh when i left a government job where you get a, a, a paycheck every two weeks uh, and became an author and kind of got into this leadership development space and speaking space. I had to hustle. I have five, you know, when I first started, I had five, five different things going on to make money because that's what you do, right? Plus student loans, plus all that other stuff, plus trying to afford to live in San Francisco, yada, 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 with five roommates. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like you're sitting, we're not sitting up, we're not sitting here like like this with our feet up you know, hanging out. I mean, some people are, but, and that's, that, that's, that's well, either. I, I, that's I, not personally, the, I personally, that's, that's the norm. I think most people are really hustling in this generation. They, they have to, they're literally hustling um, to survive. Um, the stuff with the gig economy is interesting because I, I think that the gig economy um, is, is really, on, on the one hand, there's all these opportunities of, of you can kind of reinvent yourself, be an entrepreneur, work from anywhere. But I think what we don't talk about is that the gay economy is actually just the flip side of there not being jobs, <laughs> right? It's it, the gay economy is also just the lack of the other economy. <laughs> uh, it's called you could to be able to get W2 full-time jobs, most people that were educated and had some skills, and you can't get them anymore in the United States of America. Right. Uh, we're, we're so happy, we're happy so all people, jobs, right? These days. And, and, right. And everyone, so I, do, right. I, I want you to know we're speaking with we're speaking with Adam Smiley Poswalski. His book Quarter Life Breakthrough is available on Amazon as well as in bookstores. Adam is 
making some, I think, I think you're making some very important arguments of why the millennial generation has really deviated from the traditional American dream corporate ladder path. Because I think part of the issue between generations, and this is part of what you talk about in your book, it's part of what we talk about in the revolution generation as well, is the expectations that the millennial generation was going to continue on the same pathway as the baby boomer generation, even though the context of life had radically shifted. And that's a, that's a mismatch, right? Context shifts, but the expectations remain the same. So, you know, I want you to continue with what you're saying. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to share this as well. Share this on your pages, share this on your feed. Adam is, uh, you know, you've traveled around the world. You've interviewed a lot of millennials. I met you in a co-housing space, uh, in a kind of a church yeah. that had been converted to this millennial amazing think tank space. You really are in the nexus of West Coast, what's happening with young people. Tell us a little bit more about what's happening on the bleeding edge. What do you see as the big challenges that your generation faces right now? Yeah, I think actually one of the biggest, and it's interesting you you mentioned the church, which um, is it's a friend of mine's property, but uh, um, I think that what we're one of the biggest challenges is technology. And and how to um, how we use technology in a way uh, that is thoughtful, uh, uh, balanced, um, where we're controlling uh, how our we're using our devices and to what end and for what cause, then they're not using our, uh, us. Uh, so the biggest thing that I see as a child, you know, because I think that um, you know, obviously millennials, digital natives, Gen Z. These kids are growing up literally on iPads. They don't know a world that doesn't exist. I actually grew up and I didn't have a cell phone until college, which most millennials would probably, it depends on whether you're an older millennial like me or a younger millennial. Um, so I grew up like actually using pay phones and having a phone and making plans. Hey, I'll see you for dinner at seven o'clock. And if you don't show up, you just don't show up. Um, but so we see all these opportunities, right? Um, technology is changing the way we we travel. Where you can you know stay in other people's houses, get around. You have car sharing, ride sharing, and Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, all these things. Crowdfunding. You can make your creative project. You can raise money for a documentary film, for a book. Uh, you can use sites that uh, allow you to uh, uh, share your freelance work and be a designer and code live in anywhere in the world and and code websites in Detroit or wherever, you know, like you can do all these things with technology. That's awesome. And um, I think that the flip side of that is not only just addiction, uh, it's over-reliance on social media, uh, it's over-reliance on looking at a screen, it's not necessarily being sure how these companies are using our information and data and to what end. Um, so there's, and it's also forgetting the power of in-person human connection. So one of the trends that I'm seeing recently, I got asked about this because I'm doing a workshop at Esalen uh, with, with a couple of friends uh, on digital detox. Can, um, can I ask you a question about that workshop? Yes. Will you be wearing clothes? <laughs> Not in the hot springs, but the rest of the time, yes. Okay, because es Esalen is famous for, uh, you know, I just thought, wow, not only an interesting yes. digital oh, I'll be. But are you going to do a, you know, because that's what Esalen, well, anyway, keep going. Yeah. 
I will be naked. You will be naked. Uh, you, you, you don't wear clothes at the Hot Springs at Esalen. It's also one of the most magical, beautiful places in the world. Up. They're signing up in droves for your workshop right now. So one of the things I'm seeing now, um, because it was it was a Q and A, we were talking about this, and and this workshop came out of Camp Grounded, a summer camp for adults that my friends uh, Levi Felix started, which is a digital detox. Um, so it, it's been around about five years. Uh, we uh, take 300 uh, most uh, people of all ages, but it's a lot of 20s and 30 somethings. But it's open to everyone into the woods for four days in Mendocino, uh, in the redwoods. Millennials it's of people all of all ages, but the bulk of people uh, is, is are millennials, and yeah. they we lock away their phones and and and, and computers, and no one has technology. Uh, <laughs> um, but what I think what we're seeing is so we t millennials are often you know the selfie generation, digital natives, blah blah blah. I think millennials are actually leading the way, ironically enough, as the generation that's reclaiming in person community experiential learning, um, live experiences, the importance of connection. Uh, if you actually look at, um, I don't know if you read the book, How We Gather. Uh, sorry, that's a report, How We Gather, and then The Art of Gathering um, by Priya Parker, great book, kind of about community 2.0 and how, how people get, to, how, how to create a great event, how to host, how to facilitate. Um, a lot of the trends in, in, in gatherings, in conferences, in events are skewing now away from these large anonymous events at hotels where everyone's just tweeting away. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the big tech conferences like that. But what millennials are actually demanding are actually much smaller events in person, uh, this kind of you know, the flip side of what happens when your life is on Twitter and when you grow up with and you're everyone's on Instagram and, and the young people on Snapchat is like, wait a second, like I'm missing something like something in my life isn't right. What is that? Oh, yeah, it's hanging out with people, being in the same room with people, connecting with people. And it's you would think, oh, it must be like the uh, the the baby boomers or the the you know, the. 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds are like, wait a second, we need to go back to the church group and the and the old bowling alley and, and the hangout and, and hanging out at the VFW. It's like, no, it's millennials that are like, yeah, this is a tool. Like this, we all have these, we use them, right? You, it's hard to be a functioning member of society with, some, with stuff going on in your life without one of those. Uh, and this isn't everything, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you forget this and spending time with people, you, you will not have a meaningful life. <laughs> uh, that the key to a meaningful life and the key to connection and the key to purpose and the key to belonging and inclusion uh, and, and, and all the stuff we're talking about, especially now in the political context that we live in and the, you know, uh, where we need to go given the shit that we're, the shit situation we're all living in, uh, is the only way to get there is to sit down at the table. Um, and, and to talk and, and to and to have discussion um, face to face and to have experiences face to face and to go on hikes face to face and to have cook dinner face to face. And you know what I'm saying? Uh, that these are tools, but this ain't this is not going to change the world. It's it, these are very powerful things. They're powerful devices. These these platforms have been used. We see how Twitter can be used. We see how Facebook can be used. Um, for good and really also for bad, but they are not at the end of the day um, 
I, I think my, my interpretation of it is the millennials are seeing that it's face to face. Um, even if you look at the politics stuff, I know your book has a lot on the politics, um, you know, which is, you know, not, that's not, that my, not my background, although I have worked in, in, on campaigns and in, in, um, in, in government. But if you want to be a, if you're trying to be a young candidate these days, you're going door to door. That, that's old school, right? You're, you're hanging out with people. It's like, that's how you win. Yeah, no one, you know, like, cool, you have a great Facebook presence, but like people are want to get to know somebody. That's it's about as the oldest thing in the book. Right. So yeah. that's yeah. that. I think that that's an interesting trend to follow is uh, how technology is taking over our lives and how we both say, OK, yeah, we'll take these things, but we won't forget about these other stuff, you know. Adam, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea of digital detox because it, it really is something that's come about from the millennial generation. And, you know, Gen X, we didn't have digital detox. We, we wanted to have digital. You know, we, we were so excited about the, you know, Atari freaking game console. Oh, my gosh. Space Invaders was like a breakthrough for us. You know, by the time it got to Nintendo, we were, we were thrilled. Okay. So... For your generation to turn around and go, great, thanks for all these wonderful digital toys. We now need to unplug. What's their reaction to people that go through a digital detox, the people that go through a camp grounded or something like that? And how does that tie into the whole quarter life crisis, quarter life breakthrough? Do people freak out when their toys are taken away? Do they lose their minds? Because you know some of the some of the cell phones are like kind of plastered into those hands. <laughs> totally, I think it. I think people. It's so funny. People when they first show up at camp, they're like, "I gotta post one more thing on Instagram. Like, I can't take this away. Blah blah. You can't take this away." And then when they leave on Monday, they're like, "I don't even want it back. Keep it." <laughs> like, I mean, obviously they take it back, but they're like, "I I don't like you." you from spending three or four days without the notifications, without the schedules, without the feeling the need to post and the need to share. And um, people, most people find it pretty, pretty transformational. I mean, if you really think about it, um, it, go, go around and just ask people in your life, when's the last time they took more than a day off of, um, without looking at a screen? And very few people, unless they, um, live in the country or avid hikers um, would probably not be able to answer, you know, without looking at a screen, but actually looking at a screen uh, for more than a day, people maybe would say a couple days a year. Uh, it's, it's so necessary, I think, um, for, for clearing, for, for figuring, you know, for kind of reforming your dopamine loops, which we're so used to getting from the red dots, Facebook dots, and the like, you have four likes, you know, versus actually getting it from like, that's a beautiful tree, or thanks for the hug, right? Or I'm gonna take a walk now. All the other things that we're used to, you know, how we, we have to rewire our brains to remember who we actually are as humans. Um, but I think especially with the social media piece, that's where it really comes in with the quarter life crisis stuff. The sec, the first thing I hear when people are usually going through this period of their lives, and I and that I I called it quarter life crisis because I was you know in my late twenties at the time. Um, frankly, I think a lot of people of all generations can exp have experienced that, and with with the rise of social media, are experiencing it. I talk to thirty and forty somethings that are going through the same symptoms. 
Um, but I think that the social media stuff has exacerbated it. You know, I, I think it's a, I think everyone goes through that time in their life where they're like becoming an adult. What should I do with my life? Do I like this job? Did I pick the wrong major? Did I pick the wrong career path? But I think it's different now doing. when I, I'm 43. Adam. Me too. Still have right. a life crisis. Right. Yeah, exactly. My, I, I always joke that my mom is 64. She's having a quarter life crisis. So it's, it goes on forever. But um, um, what I think that's different though, is that you scrolling and you seeing everyone's highlight reels, right? All day long, every day. So if you're not doing good, and even if you are doing good, right? I don't even mean like making tons of money. I just mean like you're in a job that doesn't suck. <laughs> and you generally like your life, but then you go on here and you're like, ooh, I'm not there, or they're making more money, or they just got featured in this thing, and I only got featured here, or I didn't get featured anywhere, or I'm not as beautiful as this, blah, 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 blah. It it's quickly spirals into a, a disaster. So um, that's, I think, really powerful when people experience a digital detox to come back to this thing and be like, okay, I can use the calendar. I can text my friend. I can call people. Occasionally, I'll go on Instagram to see something I care about, but it's not define. It's not defining me, right? It, it, you, you, it begins to you begin to take over. How do I want to use? How do I want to control this relationship with my devices? Um, what? Who am I? And what do I really want? Um, versus what is everyone else in the world throwing at me, right? Okay, what does Facebook think I should look at next because of the algorithms that have been made by the smartest people in the world that are going to get me to keep stay scrolling all day long, right? Even if it's political. Oh, yeah, another another Bernie article, another climate change article, another article for me about millennials. Well, wait a second. Like, I don't actually it's 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 11 p.m. I should be reading a book. I should be talking to someone I care about in the world. I should be sleeping. There you go. Uh, not looking at a screen. <laughs> um, so, ladies so, and gentlemen, we're speaking yeah. with Adam Smiley Puzwalski. Adam's book is Quarter Life Breakthrough. It's available on Amazon. Uh, I found it fascinating from a number of perspectives, one of which is it's written from a young person's perspective about young people and what's going on in this generation. Adam, you mentioned climate change. Uh, people who know me know that I'm a huge environmentalist, and really pretty much all the work that I've done, that I've done with my wife, Rebecca, that we do a Big Picture Ranch, has an environmental component. How much pressure do you think that the big threats that our society faces puts on young people? Do you think young people are, are they over it? Do they not care about things like climate change and global warming? Or, or is that really adding another layer of pressure to them that contributes to this sort of quarter life crisis? Uh, I think the pressure is coming from we get it and the people that are in power don't or are not paying attention and the company oh. and the people that are. Yeah, exactly. So that's where the pressure comes. That's the frustration of like we are our my life or my children's life, I hope to one day. Are, 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 this is not 500 years from now. This is our generation. We are like, whether we're able to survive and whether there, you know, there, there's enough resources uh, to live on this planet is directly impacted by people 
who are in power today making shit decisions and making decisions that are absolutely destroying the planet and destroying the earth and destroying the environment and dismantling the very uh, policies uh, and practices that are, are intended to protect it. So that's, I think, where the frustration comes from. That's where the, the kind of uh, uh, depression, the kind of angst, the kind of uh, looking at Facebook and, and, and freaking out and also freaking out about your life and, and whether it's meaningful and what's going to happen because that, that's, that's where it is. I don't think it's that we don't care. I think we very much care. We very much um, know that these decisions matter. Um, and yet we feel like we sometimes, it, it feels hard to be able to, to do something about them. Um, I think you are seeing, um, and I know you profiled this in the book, you're seeing a lot of young people run for office. You're seeing a lot of young people um, get more political, sometimes within the system, without the system. Um, I think environment's a big piece of that. Uh, but I think that the average millennial feels very kind of frustrated because it's to to understand what's going on in this world uh, is to is to be um, so angry and frustrated that uh, the people that are in control um, don't get it or or clearly get it but are screwing it up for everyone else. Well, but, but, but why the disconnect, Adam? Why the generational disconnect? And and look, I've spoken to millennials who who don't believe that climate change is man-made. Uh, there are those in each generation who, who you know, disavow the science, and that's fine because we live in a free country in a world that allows a multitude of ideas, a plentitude of ideas. But, but every major survey that's been done shows a vastly larger number of millennials who believe that climate change is man-made who believe that CO2 is the contributing factor, who basically believe the fundamental science, shows a much larger proportion of your generation than let's say baby boomers. Why that disconnect? Science doesn't choose generations. Why are the generations choosing what's, whether or not they believe in science? Yeah, that is a big problem. <laughs> I think to be a young person that, that, that believes, um, that doesn't understand that climate change is, is man-made is, is a disgrace to the educational system in this, uh, a country. Um, you heard it here, ladies or and just, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I grew up, I, I grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is a progressive, progressive place. Uh, I went to public school, you know, through high school, climate, we discussed environment stuff and climate, from the beginning, um, which I think every everyone should do. Not everyone has that opportunity. Um, the millennials that I roll with, that I see, are very much involved in this conversation. Are very much kind of um, trying to galvanize resources, trying to do projects, um, trying to do everything they can, especially in the current political climate, um, to make sure that we uh, don't all die. <laughs> um, or, or that we don't all, all or, the, or that the you know I mean I if you don't understand climate change and you under and have experienced the wildfires <laughs> like you it's wake the hell up you know um, this yeah. is the world this is what happens right I mean, the wild, planet wild is getting fires. hotter and it's our wild fault fires. 
for example, the wildfires or or hurricanes in New right, York. For example, or floods or hurricanes yeah. or category five everything. heading or, to or, or record 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 temperate warm temperatures throughout the the you know throughout everywhere. Yeah, this yeah. year. Here's my um, here's my question: Why the disconnect between generations? Why do we have baby boomers? As you said, the people in power are making one set of laws and regulations that are out of connection with what young people see as important, i.e. maintaining life on human maintaining human life on earth. Yeah. Why is that? What's going on I, with generations? I don't think that it's all baby boomers. I think that it's conservative right-wing baby boomers um, mm -hmm. that are making those decisions because they care about money over okay, okay. That's um, oh, they, they care about money over over anything else and they care about um, their you know financial interests in, in oil and gas and, and other industries where they know that if things start to change they'll you know um, they'll lose their money but we all, I think what the, the thing when I when you talk about the disconnect I think it's there are if you look at Congress it's too old. Like, and I, I speak about intergenerational collaboration. I'm the first person to respect my elders. I love elders. I love spending time. I am I, I, I lost all my grandparents, but I used to love spending time with my, my grandmother. I, I love nothing more in the workplace than connecting young and old people, younger and older people and share mentorship, reverse mentorship. The political situation in this country, like it doesn't match the demographics. We're 50% millennials in this country, right? There's 75 million American uh, millennials, right? Why the hell is most of Congress, and it's starting to change, not uh, is, is, is too old, not under the age of 40. Like, it doesn't make sense. That's why I think we saw with Ocasio's campaign, like, yeah, I want a 28-year-old in office. I want a 32-year-old um, woman who's from my community in office, not some, no offense, some guy who's white guy who's you know sixty five or seventy that doesn't even live here and hasn't lived here you know in the t ten years he's been uh, my representative you know the hell with that that's over and that's going to change but the people that are have that power they will hold on to it till literally they die and I think that that's the thing that you know uh, it's I think people realize when you look at the demographics uh, once that power is relinquished like you're not they're not getting it back it's a huge <laughs> It's a huge jump in age. It's a huge jump in demographics, in increase in in uh, more diversity, more minorities. Like the old guard is hanging on for dear life, uh, but they're it's the the clock is ticking. And uh, I don't mean I love and it's I don't mean it on old people. I love old people. I mean it on old guard and old ways of thinking. Right? Those need to die. Old people don't need to die. Old ways of thinking need to die. Right? Uh, people that are in po political power and have power that are not looking out for their children or their grandchildren or their or or, or or the future of humanity, not just in the future of Americans or people that live on this land, blah blah blah. Who cares? I mean, the future of humanity, of the species, of the earth. Don't and don't get that. Like you shouldn't. If you don't understand that and you don't understand, like we should, you shouldn't be able to run for office. Period. Like if you don't understand, you you know we have a president who doesn't understand climate change from like from the beginning, for, like literally doesn't understand, couldn't even understand, explain any simple things about how the environment works. You shouldn't be allowed to run for office. I don't think. Period. 
but we, that's not how this world exists because you know how this world exists, right? Um, let me, let me, uh, that's, just, that's what I believe. And I, I think that we're going to head there, but it's going to take another 10, 15 years. So, well, let's get started. I mean, I, uh, you know, we have about 10 more minutes in this broadcast and I want to open it up to the audience, the folks at home, the folks on Facebook who are listening, you guys can type your questions right there in the comments section of this broadcast and either myself or Adam will attempt to field those questions. So don't be afraid. We can't see you. You can type whatever you want. Uh, ask your questions, and we'll we'll get to them as we can. Adam, I want to talk about. I want you to talk about solutions. I want you to talk about the breakthrough that you're seeing with this diverse group of young people. You've now traveled across the country with your book. It's been actually a couple of years since we interviewed you for the Revolution Generation documentary, which is coming out soon, and for the book, the Revolution Generation book. What have you seen? What are, what's the upside? What can millennials do to have this breakthrough and make a huge difference in the world? Vote. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, that's what I said. Yeah, I actually, that this is the one thing that I do think um, millennials shit the bet on is is in the 2016 election. And, and you know me, like I'll, I'll go to bat for millennials to the end. I'm a millennial, spokesper millennial spokesperson advocate. Um, I'm the first person to, to call out um, these are incorrect stereotypes about millennials and especially as it relates to you know entitlement, laziness, um, all of these things. But I do think that if given the sheer numbers when young people vote, we uh, well progressive candidates win elections. Uh, period. That, that, I mean that's all of the data that supports that. Um, and I think that th that that in 2016 um, there was a lot of political interest and and talk um, and popularity, but not enough voting. Um, and so I think that like we cannot um, we can't be socially minded and social and, and 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 all about purpose when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to the lies we're leading. Um, how we, how we're talking, how we're spending our time, and then not have that related to the ballot box. Um, I, I think that that's actually is. I don't know if entitled is the right word, but it is not prudent and not fair to um, everyone else. So I, I, I actually think that voting. Um, I think. I mean, I think the statistics around about fifty percent of millennials voted in the two thousand sixteen election. Right? Yeah. Is that is that right? That's about fifty percent. Uh, you had higher yeah, numbers registered, but you've got about a fifty percent turnout at this point. Which, you know, right. if you look at it, uh, most millennials have a higher swipe to sleep with ratio on Tinder than that. So, you know, you're right about one thing. Right. Those aren't fantastic numbers, guys. They're not fantastic numbers, and I think that we actually have to, as a generation, take responsibility for that. Right. And I think it's, you know, we, uh, you can call yourself the revolution generation. And I do, I identify with that, with that. And I think the millennials need to look more collectively sometimes. I think there is a little bit of a self-interest of this is the best thing for me and my community and my neighborhood. And, and we live in a, we live, the, you know, we, that's not how the world works. It's not how the political systems works. And we can try to change those systems and hopefully we will, 
and like, but you need to sometimes look beyond what's perfect for you and to say the better thing for everyone in this situation would be, would be this. Um, so I'm, but I am hopeful. I think that the midterms are going to be a good turnout. So I, I, and I specifically mean not just general elections, but uh, midterm elections, local elections. Um, you're seeing a lot of millennials run for office, which I think is great. Um, I think the the Ocasio campaign, uh, Cortez campaign, is a brilliant display of what happens when millennials galvanize, when millennials step up, and then when millennials galvanize around somebody, and what the, what millennials are capable of, right? Uh, so many people is like, oh yeah, she, you know, she's not in politics. Like she, she'll never, you know, or all her experience was was, you know, working on, you know, on Bernie's campaign. This will never happen. She, she showed up, you know, and 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 smoked him, <laughs> and didn't yeah. just win, but like won by a lot. Yeah, uh, we, because she was by far the better candidate. And we'll obviously see what happens in November. You know, we, we're not there yet. We're 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 couple of months out, she's she's still got a lot of hurdles to cross, but I think everyone is looking at Alexandria as a weather vane. You know, if she breaks that race in New York and she wins, it, it you know, she is she's obviously spearheading. There are many other great candidates who are millennials, who are progressive, who are shaking things up across the country. And we'll put out a newsletter about some of the best ones that's coming up. Uh, for those of you who are on our newsletter list, you can sign up at revolutiongeneration.us or any of our other websites, Big Picture Ranch, et cetera. That is a good sign, voting, running for office. But what else? What if you're you know, a person who's young, who just feels like the whole system is rigged, it's against you, and you don't feel like you have a chance at making a change, doing something big? You know, you're out there, you're writing books, Adam, you're, you're, you're doing big things. But what about for the folks who don't feel that they have power? By the way, you're getting some love notes here. Susan Pinsky says, I love this millennial. I think she's talking about you, not me. Huh. So we are, we don't have any questions yet. I'd love to see some questions on the on the Facebook Live. Adam, what about if you feel like yeah. this thing is rigged against you and you just don't feel that yeah. empowerment? Uh. I feel the system is rigged against me, just to be, just to be rigged against us, or rigged against people that I care about. I very much do. I mean, to live in this country today and not feel that way is to not be paying attention. But um, I think you start small. Um, that's the biggest lesson I've learned about any anything creative, anything entrepreneurial. Um, you don't start with the book or the you know traveling the world or making a documentary. You start with interviewing someone. You start with hosting. A, a, a meetup on Thursday night at your local coffee shop um, for people to talk and to vent and to, to come together around something. You start by doing something in your community uh, around helping someone you, uh, helping a group of people you care about. Um, you start by raising some money for something that, that matters to you. Um, you know, I think that that's where some of these, t these the technology tools are so useful now of of galvanizing support, of putting your word out there, putting your messenger out there, of finding like-minded people, whether it's on you know meetups and 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 using social media, um, I, I think that it's a little bit of looking beyond looking beyond yourself, um, finding like-minded people. I call it in the book finding believers, right? So we're surrounded all day with hearing the news. There's all these things that are people that are haters, not believers. 
uh, or, or actually just enemies, people that are screwing things up for everyone. But within that sea, there's a few people that are really doing amazing work, that care about you, that, 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 that you'll care about what they're doing, they'll probably care about what you're doing. Find those people. Uh, get those people together, and then you can create magic. Um, so I would say start small, um, and also pick something. I think that that's a huge thing for millennials. Uh, environment's important, politics is important, um, lifestyle's important, community, like all of these different, you know, pieces and uh, job and all of these, there's so many things. Just pick something, pick one thing that is like, okay, I think this is something I really care about right now. Uh, and just do that. You know, like maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's journaling every day, maybe it's the local meetup uh, to talk about how to make your neighborhood safer. Maybe it's something with uh, prison reform or, or, or police or, you know, changing the way uh, policing in your neighborhood. Whatever the thing is, pick one thing. And it's not like the rest of them go away, but to be like, all right, 2018, the rest of 2018 is about that thing. Uh, or even September is about that thing. Right, because I think that the one of the things we we struggle with, and this is because of what the effect of the, the world we live in and digital devices um, and everything moving a mile a minute, is focus. Focus, focus has been proven to increase engagement in work and productivity. Uh, to be able to focus as a young person in today's society is a miracle. <laughs> right, I got what the. You know, I got 50 things going on. I got text messages. Josh is calling me. I got to meet up with this person. I got to get in my lift. I got, uh, I got to swipe here. I got to click on this. I got Snapchat and uh, Slack channel. <sighs> to be able to be present and to focus and to know what your priority is and to be able to kind of cut out the noise is um, it's very powerful. Um, when whether, whether, whatever you do to, to find that, whether it, you know, meditation, mindfulness, um, exercise, um, anything, but to be able to find your focus and to find something, even if it's short term that you're really putting, um, putting your energy into, I think is really powerful. Uh, the millennials that I've seen and the humans that I've seen, but the millennials that I've seen that have really kind of inspired me or made something in this world worth making, I think have uh, spent time on it. I think that one thing no one talks about with millennials or no one says we need, and this is a subject of something I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write next, is patience. Patience uh, is the least millennial <laughs> quality, but something that is so powerful. Uh, if more millennials had patience, I actually think we would take over a lot of those seats in Congress we would change a lot of things with climate change. We would write books that help people navigate their careers. Uh, we would um, deal, solve some of the problems we're talking about when it comes to uh, equality and, and power and, and increasing opportunity in this country. Uh, but it takes focus. Uh, you can't just post something or snap your fingers or expect something to, to come in overnight or because, you know what I mean? It, do, it doesn't take few days or a week or uh, six months. It takes years. Um, it takes deep work and practice and deliberate practice and and um, patience and focus. So that's my hope for this generation is to say, cool, there's a lot of good drive there. There's a lot of good intentions. There's a lot of purpose. There's a lot of po uh, 
possibility for this kind of this revolutionary quality, this let's change the dynamic, let's change the conversation. But we also have to remember one thing that our older generations have taught us and that is that it doesn't happen overnight. And not in a and not in a wait your turn way, because I think a lot of millennials have been told, wait your turn, pay your dues, step back. It's not your turn yet. Like we that's a millennials hate to hear that. But it's, hey, great idea and keep at it. Like, or get more people involved or work harder at it, <laughs> or like keep going, or that was one hurdle, there's 15 more, like don't stop. Cause it's not, it, like our lives, you know, we're used to getting things quickly now, right? Food, a, 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 a car, a date, <laughs> uh, right? A, 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 a lover, um, anything in the snap, food, every, everything in the snap of a finger is, but everything important in the world does not come quickly. Meaning, <laughs> purpose, life, transformation, change, revolution, those things take time. That and those are such all of those words, such wise words, Adam. Uh, I, I will say this I think that's part of the vitriol from other generations toward millennials is that you inherited this, you know, many of you, not all of you, but many of you inherited this instantaneous world, and you can have these incredible things so quickly with so much less, you know, strife. Uh, and people always point to dating and Tinder as a as an example. Like, look, millennials could just go online. They have a date like this. They fall in love. It's done. You know. Um, that said, I think what you're saying, focus, patience, meditation. Five minutes of meditation goes a long way. I had a young person uh, come to me today. She was in a crisis. She had a decision to make. Uh, an important life decision. She had to make it very quickly. And she told me all of the people in her life who had all of the opinions and all of the reasons why she should make the decision one way or another. And she said, what should I do? I said, go find a quiet spot, close your eyes and let everything slip away. See if you can just meditate for five minutes. It's such a powerful practice mm. on a daily basis. I think that's beautiful. You contributed that. Adam Smiley Poswalski, ladies and gentlemen, his book, Quarter life breakthrough. It's important for young people to read because you may be dealing with this quarter life crisis situation. It's important for moms and dads and parents and grandparents to read because you may not understand what your millennial person in your life is going through. And it really shed some great light. Of course, thank you, Adam, for being in the Revolution Generation. Don't forget to pre order your copy on Amazon. Uh, Adam, where can people get in touch with you? Where can they book you for corporate to come to their corporation and speak to sort of help them understand the generational gap? Where can people contact you online? Yeah, just go to my website, uh, smileypozwalski.com. Uh, my book's on Amazon and many bookstores and uh, Twitter at What's Up Smiley, Twitter and Instagram at What's Up Smiley. But everything you need to know is smileypozwalski.com. It's awesome. Adam, I find you to be a breath of fresh air. You're refreshing. You're frank. Uh, I appreciate you being very candid and and uh, saying all the things you can. You apparently can say some of these things on Facebook. I, I didn't know until today. <laughs> yeah, we'll it, yeah. it took a millennial to find that out. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. Look forward to speaking to you more, Adam. Look forward to having you back on and hope Thanks to see for having you on the college me. tour. Yeah. I really hope we get to do a, yeah. at least one college this fall or this spring together. I think that'd be great. I'd love that. That'd be great. Thanks, Josh. Great, Adam. Okay. Signing off for now. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget to check out Adam's website and his great work. Have a great day. Take care, everyone.